0: Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Estate Agents Podcast. We're up to, can you believe it, Luke, episode 56 already. And no. before we introduce this week's guest, I think we just need to say um, a, a very big thank you and well done to a certain Mr. Adams. Buddy but Sean, the Elf. But Buddy the Elf, Sean Buddy Adams, elf. Yep. who travelled uh, all the way from the South Coast over to you in Leicester at the weekend. Um, to uh, to dress up as Buddy the Elf as a result of you amazing listeners. I think I looked yesterday, Luke, about £900 raised online.
1: Yeah, so still got those pledges to come in. So everyone that made a comment and pledged some money, you need to convert that now into actual pounds. and Cold pence. hard cash, Luke. Cold, Cold hard, hard cash. cash. <laughs> um, onto the donation button. And I think... Uh, we're roughly around £1,200 with including all the pledges, which then makes a grand total of around £3,200 that we've managed to raise for Rainbows, the Children's Hospice. But Sean had a great. Uh, Great experience. He enjoyed his tight tights, and everyone that has donated, um, we will be getting a signed photograph for you as a memento for making that donation.
0: (laughs) I I look forward to that. It will take pride and place on my wall. But no, in all seriousness, Sean Adams, you are a scholar and a gent. you know, I, I had a bit of dress up on Friday and Saturday um, for charitable causes as well. I know that it's um, you know, it's your own personal time, isn't it? And for you to travel all that way, Sean, um, for such a great cause, um, I, I absolutely doff my hat to you. Um, fantastic, fantastic achievement. No, brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But who's our guest today, Andy? Our guest today is none other than Managing Director of the Guild of Lettings and Property Management, Miss um, Susie. Crawler. Good morning, Susie. Good,
2: good morning. Good morning. How are you both?
0: Very well. Very yeah. well. Surviving the absence of Mr. Brown. I don't know whether he's been locked up because of his <laughs> comment uh, uh, about large review sites last week. So, Luke, have you seen him? Uh, I've I've heard he's
1: he's made the trip to Grantham. He's wow. in Grantham. He's in Grantham. But I have heard he's been burning the candle at both ends and has been having a few too many whiskies
0: yeah I've heard no I've never seen that guy drink, and I um <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, well, so I, I, th- I heard I think he had a little
0: tipple the other night,
1: yeah, so I think he had a bit of a sore head, bless him, so we'll we'll let him off. We'll let him have a day off. I'm sure he booked his annual leave with us, so <laughs> so, but no, we've got Susie today, and we thought we'd invite. Uh, susie because um i've mentioned this on the podcast before that Rightmove move put on these excellent free uh courses whether or not it's online or you can go to an event and one of those was uh conducted extremely well by susie which gave a great insight into agents responsibilities the upcoming changes in legislation and i have to say hands down probably the best lettings trainer that i've come across so we thought very kind so we thought we better get better get this lady on the podcast to help our listeners so so thank you very much for your time this morning susie um you're welcome and one of the things that really stuck out for me and i'm looking at my notes here um was our job is to protect our landlords from a potential, and and I think you quoted a figure of around hundred and thirty, hundred and thirty nine thousand pounds worth of penalties, and and we're here not not just to let the property, but also to protect to to protect them from that. Um, and that yes. was quite a stark st- stark reality check, really, because I've never looked at it in that sense. It's a bit of a wake up call, isn't it? Massively, uh, massively,
2: definitely, definitely. I think that. Um... I think part of, the, part of the issue for not looking at, at it in that way is that firstly, agents are setting up their businesses, looking at, at the way to attract clients, looking at the way to attract tenants, looking at their systems and processes. And I, I actually saw the, the Right Move um, sessions that I did or have done as an opportunity for um, letting agents to reflect because we don't actually get that time. And not just letting agents, a lot of businesses don't get the time to sit down, reflect about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I think that throwing that in gave people an opportunity to actually sit up and think, wow, this is actually quite a serious element of my job
0: massively massively and Susie do you think agents are really poor at demonstrating what we do and why we charge what we charge
2: yes definitely definitely I think um, I don't think it's about being shy I I say this and I hope it doesn't offend anybody we're not American Um, we don't have that Yahoo mentality (laughs) Not everybody, in fact. Um, and, but that's not to say that uh, we shouldn't talk about what we do and how we do it. And I think that platforms like this are really, really important because th- the value of what the letting agent does for their client is huge. It's massive. Well, let's just unpack that then. What,
0: what, what should, in your view... A professional letting agent be doing for their client
2: if if i had some hats um and you could see me i would be demonstrating this wearing different hats so you'd be wearing your um investor asset management business hat so you're looking at the the um best yields for your client. You're looking at the best opportunities in terms of tenants. So you're looking at the transaction as a business deal and making sure that the landlord benefits from the investment over a period of time, let's say 10 years, because if if they're serial investors, buy-to-let investors, they may keep the property for ten to fifteen years. So you're looking at, at that value over a period of, a period of time. So that's the first element. So we've got then the financial, looking... we've got
0: the capital appreciation yeah. and the financial element. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's they'd be wearing a financial hat. Okay. Then you're looking at the property and the the process of compliance. So you'd be wearing your compliance hat and you would make sure that you have all the systems and the checklists that are required to ensure that the landlord doesn't fall foul in any way, shape or form. And I say landlord because of the majority of what um, Luke was referring to, a handful of that um, was about the agent. Most of the legislation that we deal with, letting agents deal with, is written to the landlord. So your, your agent is like a transparent piece of glass working between two parties. So there's, there's the compliance hat. And that compliance is, can be split into two, and I split it into systems and processes, and that's your paperwork, those kinds of things. And then the, and then the big one, health and safety. So that is probably the one that sits at the forefront of, of most agents' um, minds because they, they don't want to get it wrong. No. So That's, in
0: terms of compliance, I read online the other day that there are almost 200 pieces of legislation in the last two years that directly affect landlords and property management. Is that true?
2: Not in the last two years um okay. we've had fifteen changes legislative changes in the last three years, but that figure of two hundred is more like three just about three hundred um, bylaws regulations that affect landlords and i I have um started drafting a list. I'm up to a hundred ninety-five. Wow, bloody so hell!
0: And you'll share that yeah. list with our listeners, won't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. I mean, it will take me a while to read out, <laughs> but no, I think it's something really, really important because yeah. um, I wrote a blog in February and it said it was it was titled "What do What do letting agents actually do?" Uh, and the the paragraph, in terms of the description of what they do, was really short, but there were fifty key pieces, five zero key pieces of legislation Crunchy. that's just to start off, yeah, yeah, that's why people that come over from a state agency say, "Oh goodness, I didn't realize <laughs> it was like this."
1: yes it is don't um within offices i know uh, certainly here it's it's seen as the dark side and uh mm-hmm. oh i don't i, I don't want to <laughs> dirty my hands yeah. with getting involved in lettings and andy yeah. looks like he's chuckling in the background from and i think i can't you know
0: I, I, I see the value in lettings i think it's a very very important role i enjoy so the letting side i enjoy is when you've got a landlord, I enjoy communicating with them every year, um, reappraising the property. Um, I like the financial, I like the, I like the deal side of it, um, and I suppose the estate agency side of it. I don't, I don't like the, I've got a dripping tap. I don't like the dilapidations. Um, and fortunately at Chilterns, we've got Yanis um, heads up a property management department, it's a fantastic department, and we, we deal traditionally with the front end of it the, the salesy side of it but it just it baffles me and what does concern me of course is with forthcoming legislation yeah um yep. your Man. senior management teams are going to have to be well We're suggesting roper there are others um at least level three i think at this stage is the latest suggestion um and that will of course be mean for me on sales and lettings which yes. is why i was really interested in having susie on today because it's going to be an active part of what what i do going forward um professionally over over the next few years yeah Because when you actually look at,
1: uh, and I think this statistic came out from the Rightmove seminar as well, is it something like that there's only 7% of letting agents in the country that are actually qualified in lettings?
2: Yeah, and I'm talking about England, because obviously Scotland and Wales have already gone down that route. Right. So we haven't, and the majority of qualified letting agents and property managers have have either um, gone down that route to differentiate themselves against their competitors or because they're lifelong learners and they think this is a good thing yeah. which isn't everybody's cup of tea but I, I do think credit, credit to them because that's a, that's a real positive for them and for the business and then um, you, you've got professional bodies who require you to become qualified as part of your membership so yeah up until now people in the industry haven't really sat up and looked at this in great detail and and andrew's point i think that um what i call the sticky end of the lollipop is not as attractive as the front end in terms of negotiating <laughs> deals, that kind of thing, it is right. But that's, that's where a lot of the maintaining the customer service, customer care, all of that kind of stuff happens. So that that's the part that I really like. Because you're having to deal with problems, keep the client happy, keep the tenant happy, provide solutions, sweep in like a superhero and sort stuff out. So, yeah, yeah, I think the the time has come to look at the industry in a very different way. And in a way, it's about saying that letting agents do a really serious good job and they're not being penalized by being asked to be qualified you just add in an extra string to your bow kind of thing
0: I think it's an interesting point because obviously there, there, there's there, there's going to come a junk there, reach a juncture here aren 't we where agents i don 't know what it 's like for you luke but there 's certainly agents in our area, and they 're again like estate agency just in a race to the bottom on mm-hmm. fees to yeah. appear attractive now with the legislation and the professional mm-hmm. you know, the professional element of this that's going to require training development if agents have got professional qualifications no doubt you know, you'll see it as 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 a business owner the wages will have to increase to reflect those professional qualifications and the, and the gulf between those that do and don't have those qualifications at differing levels and that's obviously not conducive with chopping your fees down to the absolute bare minimum to appear attractive is it so There's there's a, there's a balance that's about to tip, isn't there, Susie?
2: I think what will happen, and part of that started with the fee ban, and we haven't seen the outcome of that truly because of this transitionary period, I think the industry will become streamlined, predominantly based on a couple of things you've just said, Andrew. So, for example, can you maintain your business offering a fully managed exceptional service, in inverted commas, at 5%, I think the answer to that question is no, and have a team of fully trained uh, people who you're going to have to pay to do their job. Um, Obviously, you pay them already, but the qualification element is going to reflect things in a different way. So I think the industry will be streamlined. Because I've already had people say to me, business owners, um, not necessarily all business owners, but some people who have been in the industry a long time and have said, I'm not doing this. So I'm not going to get myself qualified. Mm. Well, the fact remains, if you don't, you won't be able to trade. Well, you won't have a business. You, 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 you won't, no. you won't no. have
1: a business. And I think it's, no. it's a great opportunity for and I see the the opportunity for personal development and growth in that would you get on a plane knowing that the pilot wasn't pilot wasn't qualified
2: that's a really good analogy that I've never thought of
1: and and (laughs) so uh, and you're putting your life in that pilot's hands essentially aren't you um and the reason they get qualified and the reason they go through the lengths of training is is to keep everyone safe and to get from A to B, and and that's our job as an agent. Surely, is that we keep everyone safe and we get the the tenants from A to B in terms of their their life and uh, their their time with us, and the same for the landlord. We keep them out of prison, we keep them safe from fines, and we help them. As you mentioned earlier, part of our part of our job or the way that you see our job and I see this is that we're looking after their investments as, as well. So, um. Uh, and it's it's crazy to think that only seven percent of the country or in england is, is is actually qualified and there's a massive business opportunity out there
2: yeah huge um on so many different levels but i've I've done quite a lot of research um, over over looking at what they do overseas um, in the same sectors and I did the research mainly to look at the form 6A and how they deal with notices and eviction and that kind of thing. To see not necessarily just English-speaking countries, but you know other countries in the world. At the same time, I um, also looked at whether they're the agent in question or agents in question, um, estate agents and letting agents would have to be qualified in all those countries they do yeah
1: they can't
2: yep. they can't they can't trade they can't l- be licensed unless they've done I think the maximum I've seen is the United States the US yep. is 500 hours of learning before you can get your license yep. so okay it doesn't have to be that full-on if you like but Having come out of education into this industry, I w- that was one of the things that I was really shocked about. And so that's that's, that's why 12 and a half weeks, easy.
0: That's, that's Just doing the math, that's 12 and a half weeks, 500 hours, eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's 12 yeah. and a half weeks, solid yeah. training, five day weeks, solid training to practice yeah. this profession. Do you, do you think it should be this way?
2: well i i i I was just about to say i mean as an ex-teacher you could just say well of course you think everybody needs to be qualified i mean you know it's very dependent on firstly the job and then very dependent on the level and the syllabus and all of that kind of thing and i don't want to get technical but describing it as andrew has in terms of the amount of actual weeks that that would look like I know in America it's done over three years so unless you you really are just going to drop everything and study full on for however many weeks, it's done over a period of time which is normal but you see most people in this industry know what they're doing and it's basically cementing their knowledge Mm. so our BTEC is very vocational it's a vocational training course and the people that we get who want to study normally going at level four which is 320 hours of learning and they don't do it all in one go obviously but we're not talking about directors we're talking about property managers people that have been at the front end people that know what they're doing and know they they know their job i mean you know as luke can attest to this we did a little a little pop quiz it, it was a very simple yep. straightforward activity and we didn't have any books we didn't have any input from me and i just asked the the room to list uh mandatory legislation yep. and everybody gets really competitive so you're kind of <laughs> trying to write as much as you can and get it right And in that room, you know, you have thousands and thousands of years worth of experience, you know, so I don't think, I think very dependent on the level, but most of the people that we work with can get through level three easily, so it's not, I don't think it's it's a hard task really
1: no and it's i mean this is the one thing that amazes everyone obviously recently been out to san francisco to nar so the national association of realtors uh went to the tom ferry event went to australia uh to their event uh, uh arec and one of the first questions they say well how how long does it take you to become qualified we we'll just turn up on the first day <laughs> and and that's and and they're gobsmacked as to the fact there is no barriers to entry so literally as long as you're vertical and you've got a pulse rate as as our good friend Tom Panos says you're in um you you can you can start you can start up start up tomorrow go and get a job in an estate agency okay are you going to be any good at it probably not um uh almost definitely not but I certainly think as Andy says, it's going to raise that profile. You're going to get the service levels are going to be better, and with that, wages will increase. But also, as a result, you can't sustain a business on five percent and invest in training and and your staff at all.
2: No, and I've I've been to the NAR conference and yeah it does blow your mind that you have got thirty to forty thousand agents in one place and they think their profession is great they don't think anything of having to invest in training personal development professional development and and it's and it is it's a good thing to see um in this country in fact because i i'm really fortunate i'm i'm around people that want to be like that that that's because otherwise they wouldn't invest in training no one's saying to them i need to do x amount of cpd a year unless they're members of a professional body or organization but they come to training willingly they they want to they want their business to be the best it can be possibly be they don't want their business to fail. they don't want to get caught out and they enjoy the process and i think that that's a really good thing
0: i think you've hit the nail on the head there susie you know for me if i go out to dinner with friends or family or meet new people i'm proud that i'm an estate agent i'm proud that i take people on a journey i'm privileged to deal with the biggest tax-free or taxable assets in in terms of property investment um uh, and i'm proud to shout it from the rooftops Uh, but we do have this feeling in our industry that that's not the case you know people almost shy away from it oh I'm an estate agent you know as they quickly scu- scu- yeah another conversation yes. and, and I don't think it should be like that and, and certainly the professional uh, and the qualification element of it I think you know I've got friends in America and I've known them a long time and uh, this guy's really proud he's a realtor his face is everywhere in the town and people know him you, walks past people in the street and he's recognized and I think that's something to be really proud of I I love it where I am you know people will just walk into the office and say I'm not not looking to do anything at the moment but I'm looking for a carpenter can you help or you know what do you think my house is worth we're not moving and I love those conversations but
2: so many don't and I think that's
0: that's a shame it's a terrible shame
2: I agree I always say to people that this is a proper job this is a real <laughs> profession. This is not for the faint-hearted. Hell no. And, and, <laughs> no. And, and, you know, all those hats that I was talking about, I didn't get to the customer service, customer care element because you're dealing with people human beings face to face every single day so you're customer facing most of the time you know and and you're right andrew people if you want to know anything about anything in a local town or city you go to a really good letting agent a agent because they can tell you what is going on in terms of the economy because they've got their finger on the pulse they can see what is going on because you know, the housing market fluctuates, people invest or they don't. But they also know what is going on around that town, city. Uh, and that is really, really important. And I think that it's a shame that, that this reputation, wherever it's come from, is kind of sticking because I don't, I don't see any of that. And I'm not saying it because I have to say it. I don't have to say it. I don't see that. I see really strong, uh, independent, uh, corporate, um, lots of different types of landlords, lots of different types of investor who use letting agents for a reason. Mm. And that's because they're good at what they do and they understand. They're the specialists. I'm not. I'm not the specialist. I do what I do in terms of training, but People like you have to deliver the goods. They have to make sure it all works.
0: We couldn't do it without the help of people like you, Susie, and that's... uh, Yeah,
2: well, yeah, that's kind. But I I always say, people say to me, oh, my God, how do you do what you do? Uh, What I do is quite repetitive, you know. It's not hopefully boring, but it's quite repetitive. I don't have to implement it, and that's the difference, so that's why I say it's not for the faint-hearted. You know, it's a, great, it's a great industry, I think, to be in because you need a really diverse skill set. You've got to be good with people. You've got to understand, you know, quite complicated transactions. Um, and why not be qualified and why not be proud of that badge? It's, it's great.
0: 100% absolutely so Susie we touched on it earlier um and I was very interested that you described the tenant fee ban and we were talking off air a moment ago as the hype surrounding the tenant fee ban um and you, you were you know very candid in that your your uh, I believe opinion is that we haven't actually seen the true result of the tenant fee ban unfold yet because we're in this transition period um obviously myself and Luke know but just for our listeners explain this transition period
2: yeah um the, the guidance we've we've been talking about the fee ban before it was made law for about two and a half years and and I think most people had a pretty good idea of what it looked like but not the detail if that makes sense mm-hmm. and it wasn't until april of this year that the detail was sent out in terms of uh guidance and part of that i think there were some curveballs in there that the house of lords kind of threw in for good measure things like <laughs> not being able to use the word professional when it came to clean in that kind of thing but what one of the big ones was the transitionary period we've never really had that before Um, in our industry where we can transition from doing something to not doing it. And that is obviously from the 1st of June to the 31st of May, 2020. And what that means is any pre-existing, and there's been a lot of controversy from tenants, um, tenant uh, bodies and representatives about this being unfair, but it is what it is. Is that any fee that exists in a in a pre-signed contract that was entered into before the 1st of June, 2019, stands? You can still charge it. So, prime example: somebody contacted our advice line yesterday, and they said, well, "I've got a renewal fee," and they're actually having an argument in the office, saying that you can't charge a renewal fee because. There's a fee ban, but the contract was signed before the 1st of June 2019. So the legislation says that those fees still stand until the transition ends on the 31st of May 2020, which caught everybody by surprise, really, because it was, oh, I didn't realise I could do that. So that is actually quite important because you don't, obviously, moving forward on your new lets. From the 1st of June you can't charge anything there's nothing there apart from the permitted fees uh, permitted payments but anything that was pre-existing you you carry on until say first of May 2020 and then from that point uh, the following day everything filters out so you know it's very difficult to say business owners will know because they've done their figures of what this looks like but that, that, will, that will give you the true kind of picture.
0: Uh, now, and I was having a discussion with somebody the other day, and I don't think it would be fair to to name them um, on air, Susie, oh, that's but fine. it was um, surrounding the return of tenants deposits, where an agent has charged more than the now permitted five weeks deposit, and they're re-signing into a new tenancy or they're they're, they're signing into a new tenancy, there is a a cut-off date, isn't there, whereby if the deposit that's lodged is in excess of five weeks' rent, the surplus must be returned to them.
2: That's technically not quite right. Okay. Um, It is at renewal. So if you're renewing a tenancy, let's say you had a tenancy that started on the 4th of december 2018 Mm -hmm. and it's renewing it would have renewed yesterday yeah um and the deposit we're we're having a little chat about renewals and all that kind of thing and the deposit is i use my example eight weeks plus 200 pounds for a dog yeah. Okay, so you can have a chat about the dog. You can say we're going to look at the dog and say whether the rent is going to increase and that kind of thing because that has not been put to bed properly yet, pet rent, which we can talk about or not. So we can say to the... T- tenant who wants to renew the rent's going to go up it's going to be this they accept it that's great so we do a rent review first and then based on that new rent you're going to calculate your five weeks and at that point if there's a surplus which obviously there will be because my original deposit was eight weeks plus 200 pounds for a dog that surplus amount will go back to the tenant and it's at renewal So that is really, really important. A lot of our clients have have looked at their portfolios and their portfolios are pretty big. So they have refunded uh, already. Um, The downside with doing that in one hit, and obviously we're talking about something that started on the 1st of June, which Mm -hmm. we didn't have to do. The downside with doing that and doing everything in one hit is... That you you haven't looked at rent reviews, so you haven't considered. Do I need? Am I going to increase rent? Am I not? Is is that going to impact the deposit? And obviously it will. So that that was something that has not happened in Wales because there's no cap there. So hooray. Um, but on our side, that was part of the fee ban. That again, you know, the fee ban discussion was surrounding money it was you know what's going to happen to my income rightly so but you had to think about your processes as well so there were things like the the cap on deposits what am I going to do with it what am I going to do When I get to a new fixed term and I'm going to have to renew, you've got got to have a process in place Mm. to make sure that you do what it is you're meant to be doing properly. And also, tenants aren't aware of this. Most tenants are a bit, oh, I didn't realise I was going to get money back. Mm. Hooray, that's great. (laughs) Nice little bonus, Um, but sudden letting agents are
0: popular again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and holding deposits as well. The holding deposit process has been really interesting to watch. That's, that's been quite quite uh, quite good fun. Yes. So, yeah, there's lots of stuff that, that people had to make sure, now have to make sure is in place. And this is the interesting part, by law, because mm-hmm. even though we had Tenancy Deposit Protection, um, which is obviously part of the Housing Act 2004, we didn't have caps, we didn't have refunding surplus amount, we didn't have you can't take extra for a dog all these things are now cemented in law which is quite interesting well let's talk so, things yes. because
0: toby oh um, yes Luke,
2: uh. Luke,
0: luke's toby's made a special guest appearance my yeah. I've uh-huh. got a husky. i've got a husky called akira she's far too nuts to even let anywhere near a podcast um but okay. look we're pet lovers um what can we do with pets? Let's 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 talk pets because we can but, charge extra for pets now. But, but it's-
1: also, just while she's talk, I had a tenant in one of our offices only last week, um, and she's she said, "Why is it so now now so difficult to actually find a rental property that will accept accept my dog?" Um, and and she's noticed it since the first of June where really? she's find finding it really really difficult now she didn't she said this year has been really difficult for me to find and i said uh, to find a um to find a house where i i'm in one at the minute but i need a bigger house uh, the kids are growing up um, we're, we're just outgrowing the bedrooms and she said but this year just so many I'm, I'm, as soon as i mentioned i've got a dog the phone more or less gets put down on me.
0: See, to be honest, our landlords, Luke and Susie, our landlords have have said completely the opposite because historically you've had a pet deposit and assuming that the animal has been well behaved and the house is returned, the deposit is returned at the end of the tenancy. Well, of course, now landlords are thinking, well, actually, if if it's 50 pounds extra or whatever the extra amount is for a pet, that's an additional revenue every year And it's not returned at the end of the tenancy.
2: Yeah, there are are a few things to consider there. I mean, it it is pretty split, uh, I'll agree with Luke. Well, both of you, in fact, that it really does depend on the landlord. It depends on whether the landlord is receptive to any kind of animal. And I'm not talking about goldfish because they tend not to jump out of the bowl and do a lot of damage um (laughs) there there's you know anything from dogs hamsters cats um indoor rabbits anything anything that's furry um it really does depend on the landlord um this year i don't i don't know if we've seen less landlords willing to take pets i think it's the jury is always out on on whether a landlord will take uh, an applicant with animals, but the one thing that I have I, I do have to say is that there is nothing in the Fees Act that bans that the charging of a, an additional rent amount, as in a proportion monthly for a pet. Um, trading standards have said something on this and so have so has david cox from property mark i think on various webinars uh, also for right move and i think that it's really really important to understand that and it would probably come under unfair terms of contract or consumer protection if if the the rent amount charged was really outrageous you know, £500 per calendar month for a dog, then that, I suppose, would be deemed unfair. But it's all about the test of reasonableness. That's what this is about. Um, That's the first part. So that's the money part. The second part is often down to the fact that the landlord may have had a really bad experience. You know, the, 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 the dog in question chewed all the furniture and the skirting boards and peed all over the carpet. So I think that that may be where, you know, people are now thinking, landlords are now thinking, well, I can't take a high deposit to cover myself against that kind of damage. And it is damage. It's not fair wear and tear, a dog eating the skirting boards. Whoever tells you that is wrong. <laughs> so that's, it does, it puts people off. And I think it's that. And I think before the fee ban, landlords had that, you know, security cushion yep. of perhaps thinking, you know, I've got 200 pounds there protected for things like, you know, the cat, the, the cat peeing all over the sofa and yep. destroying it. So I've seen the the good, the bad and the ugly when mm. it comes to letting properties with pets. But... It really is down to the landlord at the end of the day. So, But what you do also have to remember is that you're excluding a huge amount of the population in terms yeah. of
0: huge market. tenant
2: applicants. Mm. Yeah, massive, massive.
0: So just before we wrap up, Susie, um, we're conscious we've taken up a, a lot of your time this morning for which we're very grateful. Where's the industry going? Where are we heading?
2: Ooh. <laughs> Um, and what's in store, twenty twenty? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of not quite sit on the fence, really. Um, because not do that;
0: you'll get splinters.
2: <laughs> I, I I will when I have done. Um, I think that it really depends on the outcome of the election next week. So that's the first thing. Mm. I think that the manifestos and I and we we looked at this in our newsletter that's going out in. Just under thirty-five minutes. <laughs> um, Very precise. The, yeah, it is. Um, it really does depend on these, yeah, the, the manifestos, and I think they're all quite similar. They're making some really interesting promises. I don't want to get political, but so it depends no, go on, on let's, that. Let's I get think, controversial. <laughs> uh, so so one of the questions I asked. And this is very naive and very, yeah, let's say very naive. A question I asked our lecturers, our property lecturers at university. It was one of our first lectures on property law, and these guys, these two guys, were what what I call team teaching, and they're at the top of their game. One of them, um, he he advises the World Bank, so you know these are qualified. Lawyers barristers, and we were talking about property, and property is a very big uh, it's a, is a very small word for 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 a, for an overarching, a broad subject isn't it yeah massive huge yeah you you're, you've taken the words out of my mouth, but one of the one of the things that I said to him to one of them is if if uh, having the the right to a home is a human right why there's so many homeless Mm. and he kind of threw the question back at me so that's one of the big things you know we talk about homelessness a lot around the christmas period but that is a discussion that needs to be had throughout and i see a lot of clients doing a lot of good work not just at christmas but throughout the whole of the year. Community working. engagement, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was quite interesting to see on the manifestos, the the, the three major parties, um, and I hope I don't offend anybody by saying major, but the, the three main parties said that they would eliminate homelessness, which, you know, hopefully... It's, it's, it's impossible. It will, what happens? It's... Well... I, I don't know you just don't know circumstances but that that is I see it every day when yeah. I travel and I travel in probably every major city throughout England um, and you see it everywhere so it's awful I think it, it really
0: comes home to us at Christmas time though nobody should be without a roof over their head no I'm sat in my office at the moment and I said to, to Luke no. off air Um, it's bloody cold in here (laughs) it's it's the coldest room in the house it's a garage conversion it's north-facing and and um, last week I did this in my dressing gown and got ridiculed for it by uh, Tom McGee so I I decided to man up this year and put uh, this week and put another vest on but no you're you're absolutely right yeah it's freezing outside um, and and nobody should should suffer the plight of homelessness but I I am gonna go all out there Luke and say uh, and I know you'll chastise me for this afterwards but if Comrade Corbyn does get in I'll be recording with you next week from Lithuania
2: because
0: I'm off. <laughs>
2: um, well, so then you look at look at the detail, and it's scary. Mm. Some of it. I mean, I they have all said they. I looked at the Lib Dems and the Conservatives and Labour, and they've all said that they will look at um, the banning of the Form Six A Section Twenty One, yeah. which is a big political hot potato and i'm telling you now it's not a vote winner so that that is a been in the offing before the election but that is something that agents are gonna have to look at and they need to look at because it's going to impact their landlords really really seriously but my biggest concern on this is that i've i've worked on uh this with uh the lettings council which has done brilliant brilliant work you know kate faulkner and theresa wallace have done phenomenal phenomenal work and brought together an industry that is sometimes a little bit fragmented but the government or whoever it is, has really got to look at the way that this will not impact just private landlords, but social housing. They're mm. digging themselves into a really massive hole. So that is probably the biggest thing. Electrical safety has come in, so yeah. that, you know, everybody's on alert for that. And we have been for the last 10 years waiting for that. Um, and then obviously qualification and uh, regulation of the private yeah. rented sector. But not just the private rented sector, the three disciplines, what I call the three disciplines, block management, estate agency, and lettings the, the big It's three. going to be
0: interesting, Susie, this, this yeah. next nine days, because I live in an area in the east, which is um, quite typical, uh, typically Tory, um, and I'm speaking to a lot of landlords that, that feel on the one hand, the government has... Just absolutely raided them recently as as landlords um, and uh, almost attacked them in terms of their income and on the other hand they're saying to me, but I couldn't go the other side um, is my house safe with right to rent and you know it, it, can it can it genuinely a uh, right to buy from from a rented property can it genuinely be true that some I can have an asset that I've worked hard for and a tenant can be given the right to purchase it it's
2: it's it's a difficult one well difficult being an understatement scary monster comes springs to mind i just yeah i i just I, I, I read that and I thought is that a joke did somebody put that in there well, we, to we see if we were, yeah. <laughs> we were bothering to read <laughs> to, to, to actually uh, analyze what was being said yeah 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 I well, mean listen. I I don't, I don't want I don't Sorry. I don't want to get I don't want to get uh I could get really political and controversial and all of that kind of stuff but I do think that they 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 whoever they are um by next Friday they need to look at the housing market really closely, but in a completely different way.
0: Uh, and the industry as a whole, yes. And I think it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's slightly fortuitous that we find out the fate of the housing market in our country on Friday the thirteenth of December. Um, but, but Boris was not bonkers when he arranged that one, was he? So, let, no. let's let's let's. Uh, End end here, say thank you very much for your time, Susie. Um, You're welcome. We're heading into the Christmas period. Yes, we need to spare a thought for the homeless, those that are not just homeless, but the elderly. Um, Yeah. Next door. If you've got that elderly neighbour that you don't see very often and it's a little bit cold, knock next door. Um, There are people that are not as privileged as ourselves. And uh, I think we we do need to remember that. But um, let's, as we head into the festive period, wish everybody a very productive day. Luke
1: yes thank you for Good. your time thank you for yours and thank you
2: thank you